You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Tweet at To and Out CFL. Send an email, toandoutcfl at gmail.com. I won't give you my phone number, though. I know you tried, and I know you hoped, but I'm not giving that phone number on this podcast. (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, Every week, Travis Kura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And yes, welcome to the 2 and Out CFL podcast. We are here. Week one is in the books. We're in the middle of another season. I don't know if I could feel any better. Well, I guess I could. Uh, I am here alone this time around. It's not because Brazilian Ty got fired. It's not because he's sick. It's just uh, I don't think we could find a, a legitimate time to record this time around. We both went to a stag party in Lloyd Minster. One of our good buddies is getting married and we could not find a time to record even though we were in the same city for right around 72 hours. <laughs> but that might be the amount of Pilsners uh, I had over those 72 hours. I just turned 30. I, I do have to tell this story. I just turned 30 back in December, and I hear legendary stories from uh, people uh, talking about the hangovers you get at 30 years old. And you know what? I actually feel okay uh, for a, a double Friday and Saturday night. I uh, feel great uh, in my head and my stomach and things like that, but the injuries I have occurred, I, my right hamstring is just killing me. Uh, I feel like I just actually played in one of these uh, CFL games. My left forearm, I don't know. It feels like I got smashed with a baseball. It has just got a goose egg right in the middle of it. I don't know what happened there. I've got, let's see, about 30 mosquito bites. I wore sandals out on a golf course and didn't use bug spray and also didn't golf. I was the driver. I was Tyrell's caddy for that week. And I'm like, well, you know what? I just suck at golf, so I'm not going to spend the money on it. <laughs> but it's a nice day. So I'll come outside. We, we bowled, we karaoke'd. And yeah, that is why I sound like I do. But I was able to watch the games. I woke up extra early, got in the games and let's talk about them because man, I am so glad to have CFL back in the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out Podcast. Yes, uh, there's not that much news to talk about right now. Four games are in the books. There's no major injuries to be talking about right now, which is such a, an absolute plus. It feels like uh, within the last few years, you know, the first week of the season, there's always a marquee name we're talking about that has gone down. And it's just so unfortunate when stuff like that happens this early in the season. But it seems like most players came out unscathed. Of course, a couple guys uh, were taken off the field. Uh, there were some cramping issues and things like that, but that does happen in week one. But we're sitting pretty, pretty right now. Yes, I did just say we're sitting pretty pretty but there was some news that came out i think it was friday that um adidas is no longer going to be the merchandise supplier 
at the end of the season, and this has only been a couple years, so this is very interesting. Uh, I don't know the why, and I don't know if anybody will know the why, whether they're they're scaling back, doing pro sports altogether, and I, I certainly hope it's not that they're it's not been worth it for them to be on with the Canadian Football League because I don't know about you uh, or how much merch you own. I own three Adidas jerseys, and I like them. I, I like the, the shirts. I like the bunny hugs. Yeah, I'm going to call it a bunny hug. I like the quality of the stuff. So we'll see where they head for next season, and we'll also see if we get new jersey designs. For a little while there, it seemed like we were getting real crazy with CFL jerseys. It almost seemed like there was a new design every three or four years, and it kind of seems like we're going to be heading down that route again. They even were throwing retros in there, and when the riders come out with a red and black jersey, and they're not flying off the shelves, you know you found your limit with Ryder fans. Those 100th anniversary jerseys were just, oh, I'm glad they only wore them once. Let's just say that. Uh, I'll talk about attendance from week one. So last year's week one, it was a week later, but there were 77,452 people through the gates. That included a rough one in Toronto where there was only 13,583 at BMO Field. But this week one, 99,145. So nearly a 22,000 person increase. The lowest announced number was BC. 20,182. I guess the capacity there of the lower bowl is right around 26,000. If you look on TV, yeah, maybe it did look like there were uh, less than 20,000 there, but they were a boisterous group. And the way I look at it, man, if there are 20,000 seats sold, who cares if they didn't show up? Uh, maybe that's unpopular, but that's okay with me. But I, I got to think some big weeks in the CFL are really happy with those attendance numbers uh, after week one. Hey, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can push that over 100,000 for the entire weekend and then people will be real happy uh, talking about the Canadian Football League. I just like where it's headed. Uh, BC, the, I'm sure they're happy with the 20,182 tickets sold as well. They uh, need more people in the stands. And I heard Randy Ambrosi on a fellow Canadian Football Pod Network uh, show BC Lions Den. Brian out in Vancouver does an amazing show. Check it out if you haven't yet. You know he does an amazing show when you get a call from the league saying, hey, Randy Ambrosi's in your city. We want him to come on your show. Do you want him there? And uh, you're not going to say no when you get that opportunity, so it's good to listen. But uh, hearing from him, there are a lot of cool things they're trying in BC this season to get more people in the door. So without further ado, let's just go to talking right about the games. Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. So, of course, this week had absolutely everything 
<laughs> and that is what we love about the CFL. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Eskimos open up the season on Thursday. And this game took five hours and 40 minutes to complete. Now, this happens on a regular basis when the Yankees and the Red Sox play in Major League Baseball, but this doesn't happen in the CFL. There were two separate rain delays. This is why it happened. <laughs> After 1 a.m. is when the game ended. I believe that's Winnipeg time, but kickoff was at 7.38. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's not like the game was bad. When, when it was played... It was absolutely awesome. The Eskimos do win the game 33-30. to 30. It was an insane game, and the Eskimos started things off with a massive touchdown pass to Darrell Walker. Long field here for Mike Riley. Shadows of his goalpost. Back to pass with time, and it is caught, and this is gone. Darrell Walker 101 yard touchdown to start the season and when I think about this game I think about that Eskimos offense and I think about balance absolutely incredible the amount of balance this team had yes that 101 yard pass from Riley to Darrell Walker was a massive way to start the season and it was uh almost setting a statement Yes, this Winnipeg Stadium was the site of the Edmonton Eskimos' most recent Grey Cup victory. Could they be having another Grey Cup victory this November in their own stadium? Who knows? But I do say balance here because Mike Riley, uh, he had the bombs, he had the intermediate passes, and what I found amazing as well, that running game was getting used but not only cj gable we know what cj gable brings to the table of course we do he had nine rushes for 40 yards yeah he also had six targets and five catches there wasn't that much success there Uh, he only had three yards through the air but it's clear they're going to be using cj gable mike riley himself had 11 carries for 43 yards he was the team's leading rusher he was a guy on a mission he already has two rushing touchdowns on the season we even saw calvin mccarty getting in Involved early, he nearly had a touchdown, and he had two catches in this game. Yeah, there were a lot of receivers getting targets. Gable, a J. Smith, Stafford, Bahar, what a catch he had. Hazelton, McCarty, Duke Williams, and Darrell Walker. Yeah, double-digit targets for Duke Williams and Darrell Walker. Williams had 11 on the night, but he only had four catches for 74 yards. It could have been a big, big night because Darrell Walker had 176 yards through the air, helping Mike Riley get to 408 yards. Duke was doing his best. Riley, some of those passes were climbing the ladder, and Duke ended up climbing the ladder and falling on the ball and knocking the wind out of himself and falling out of bounds on the play, so it didn't really help matters all that much at all, but I think if Duke keeps playing that inside inside slot position, he's going to be having an amazing year, as if he didn't already have a good enough rookie season just last year in Edmonton. Uh, And you know what? I thought the Eskimos here were going to crumble. And I wouldn't be able to blame them for this because of this 
weather delay and it was talked about ad nauseum. I do need to give every single broadcaster involved with this broadcast some props because if I'm working on TSN, if I'm working 630 Chad or CJOB in Winnipeg and I've got to kill three hours... I don't know if I'd be able to do it. <laughs> we would start. I'd, I'd take callers live on the air and start playing paper, rock, scissors over the phone with them because I wouldn't know what else to do. So Dave Campbell from Chad, Bob Irving from Winnipeg, and everybody involved on TSN. It was absolutely insane what they had to go through in this game. And that does bring up another point. Was it safe? Not only from a lightning perspective, but from a player perspective. Yeah, there are two separate nearly hour and a half delays, and these guys aren't getting their 15 minutes to warm up, really. It's just being like, okay, let's get out there and play. So, yeah, some guys did leave the field with some injuries. We don't know how serious they were, but... It begs the question, should this game just have been called? And (laughs) that is a tough decision. That is not a decision I would want to make. It's the first game of the season. It's Thursday night football. They have pushed this Thursday nighter so, so bad. And I don't know why things like this happen in the CFL. They they signed the deal with Universal Music Canada. They were going to have all these young Canadian artists playing uh, halftime throughout the summer on Thursday night football. Their rec laws were jacked, ready to go, and it ended up not happening. Of course that happens. But... I believe football, yeah, it should be played in the elements. We only do have one team in the league that plays under a dome that is in Vancouver, and that's okay. If that works for them, they got a good home there, but I like to watch my football outside. And I have been to the coldest games, I have been to the hottest games, but those provide memories for me have you ever said to somebody hey do you remember that average weather game in august we went to where the stampeders beat the alouettes 21 to 7 i don't think that's a sentence anybody has ever said but i have said oh i remember that hot game in july 2010 it was canada day it was the rough riders and the alouettes it was a great cup rematch and literally as soon as we got out of the truck <laughs> it was so hot. I felt like all the oxygen in my lungs evaporated. It was absolute insanity. And you're going to call me crazy, but I'd rather watch a game in minus 20 than, you know, plus 35. That just takes it out of you. Just the blistering headache I had. But it all went away when we were able to watch one of the most amazing games I'd ever seen. The coldest game was the 2013 West Semifinal I went to. It was BC and Saskatchewan. Darian Durant takes the team on his shoulders uh, in the fourth quarter. Every play that they had was a running play from uh, Durant. It was absolutely incredible uh, what he was able to do in that game. But I also remember how cold it was. I lived in Saskatoon at the time. I don't think that my feet were thawed out by maybe Davidson. I was walking on a club. 
you know, my my feet and toes were one unit. It was one of the worst experiences of my life, but I was warm just thinking about that big win at Taylor Field. I will never, ever forget things like that. So climate control, average games, uh, but wild weather sometimes make the games even more memorable. And I guarantee you the people in Winnipeg that went to this game will never forget it. And we do need to talk about those fans. I texted my buddy Neil, lives in Winnipeg. I sent him a text. Ooh, as soon as the second delay started. And I said, are you going to pack it in, buddy? And he replied to me, not a chance. The game starts... He sends me a message. The Kevin Fogg returned there. I thought the wind was coming out of Edmonton sales at that point. And he said, we're lucky to have 4,000 people here right now, but it is the loudest 4,000 people I have ever heard. And it came off on television. Sometimes noise at the stadium does not translate on TV. But I don't know, maybe every single one of those fans had a microphone in their hands. They were loud, they were boisterous, they were into it. Yeah, the Eskimos were able to shut them up by the end of the game. And that's another props to the Eskimos. I mean, Mike Riley goes 32 of 46. That's a lot of passing attempts. Altogether, they were able to run a lot of plays. So (laughs) I know people in Winnipeg, they wanted a different defensive coordinator heading into the season. They didn't get it. But I don't know how many quarterbacks in this league would be able to go through delays like that and stay focused, especially as the road team. That is a terrible position to be put in. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if the Bombers, you know, pump heat into the visitor's dressing room. It might have helped because of the way the weather was outside this time around. But, man, for Riley to be able to keep his head on his shoulders, there's a reason this guy's the MVP. And if we're talking after week one, he might just be the favorite <laughs> for that MOP. Again, let's move to the Winnipeg side of things. Another defensive breakdown. I guess we can call them more defensive breakdowns. Because, yeah, Bomber fans did want a new D.C. heading into this season, but Richie Hall stays there. And I I guess we can say that about Kyle Walters, and we can say that about Mike O'Shea. They are loyal, 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 loyal to, I think, just about any member of that organization. And if Richie still wants to coach, then he's still going to coach. And if we continue to struggle like this, I don't know how long he does get to coach. Now, you got to even out the equation here. They didn't have a defensive breakdown against Drew Willey and company from Montreal. It was Mike Riley and the Edmonton Eskimos. Look at all the receivers they were throwing to. It's not like they came easy. But that bomber defense started one Canadian. Taylor Loeffler at safety. They are one of the fastest defenses I have ever seen. They flocked to the ball. I know there was a goal line play. First down. Adam Big Hill times it absolutely perfectly, dives over the line, and gets Riley just in time before he's able to even think. 
He, he has no time, and that is timing from Big Hill. I don't know why this guy's not in the NFL. I think it's just pure politics. Yeah, maybe he's not 6'3", 240, but the guy can play, the guy's got heart, and the guy has a motor. So that is one of the biggest offseason additions uh, of the league in the entire offseason. And, and this is why the Bombers were Grey Cup favorites until Matt Nichols goes down. Now, I don't know if Bomber fans have to worry. They might just not. Chris Strevler. Very first start coming out of college. The last quarterback to do this was Anthony Calvillo in 1994. And honestly, if Calvillo had been on the sideline for one, maybe two seasons, he wouldn't have had the extensive growing pains he did. Sometimes this can mess up a quarterback a little bit. The confidence is a big thing with quarterbacks, and I think this is what we've seen from Jonathan Jennings. You get in your own head. You start to doubt yourself, and I think Jennings, oh, we'll get to him in a bit, should be led to improvise uh, situations in the game, and I think that's what made Jennings great when he first burst onto the scene. Maybe he wasn't trying to be a complete quarterback. He was just trying to be Jonathan Jennings. If I want to take off, I'm going to take off. If I want to throw the bomb, I'm going to throw the bomb. But when you start trying to be that cerebral quarterback and you try to be a Ricky Ray, when you're not a Ricky Ray, you sit there and think, okay, I got to stay in the pocket. I got to step up if the ends are coming in. No, <laughs> just go have fun. It's the CFL. And that's what we saw from Jennings early in his career. And I hope we can get back to that later this season. But Strevler, this kid's smart. He's working on his second master's. I don't know how people spend that much time in school. I don't know if I ever want to set foot back in one. I love my teachers. I'm sorry if any of my former teachers are listening, but Strevler, he got his first degree in three years. This kid comes on to the scene, 15 of 28, 178 yards. Yeah, that's pretty modest, but he throws three touchdowns. He does throw the two interceptions, but... That is an encouraging start. He had seven rushes for 30 yards, and this guy runs. He looks like a wide receiver out there. He could be, <laughs> I feel like he could do the old Mr. Perfect, chuck the ball, run under it, and catch a 40-yard pass. This guy can go. Now, I coming into this game, a lot of people uh, knew that it was going to be the Andrew Harris show. And he gets 14 carries, 77 yards. He did not get a touchdown on the ground. He actually did not get a touchdown at all. He had four catches or three catches for six yards. It was four targets. So the S were able to shut him down on uh, through the air. They had no issues with Andrew Harris at all, but you knew it was coming. The rookie quarterback, it was almost a perfect situation for the Eskimo defense. You shut you shut Harris down. You force the rookie to beat you with his other playmakers. It should be mentioned to Darius Bowman, his first game back as a Blue Bomber against his old team, the Eskimos. Gets three targets, but shut out. No catches, no yards. Weston Dressler had a big touchdown. Eight targets, four catches, and 74 yards. Maybe that's a relationship we need to watch. Dressler and Strevler. Adams had a big one as well, three catches for 46 yards. So the question is here, do the Bombers have something 
and Chris Strevler. And I don't mean as a serviceable, serviceable backup for the next few years. Do they have a future guy sitting here right now? We know that Matt Nichols is going to be starting when he comes back. I, I, I think, of course, it's a joke when people say <laughs> that Strebler might play his way into the starting role by the end of these things. Uh, and I don't mean joke in way. Why are you saying that? I mean, ah-ha-ha ha, joke. But it certainly helps that they've got the running game that he has. They have the nastiest offensive line in the league. I know that the Bombers took some penalties here, uh, maybe from the O-line being a little too nasty. They helped Dembski uh, assist and keep running, and they, they called that a penalty, but that's what you want from your O-line. Yeah, you, you find that line of nastiness that the refs are willing to let go, and you tow that line all game long. If you can do it for 60 minutes, you will beat down the other team. You may be able to get into their head. Chris Edwards of the Eskimos took some timely penalties last year was it labor day the slow the throat slashing penalty that's never a good penalty to take he had some penalties in this one as well so you you gotta know he got a grilling from head coach jason moss but i firmly believe that the players can take on the personality of their head coach he was mad he thought the game should have been delayed uh, earlier than it was the second time around but yeah, the Bombers kept driving and scored a touchdown. If they don't score a touchdown, there was no complaining on that one, I think. But the Bombers, I think, are in good hands here. They are okay with Chris Streveler. Yes, that is the question. Do they have something here? When Matt Nichols comes back, how many years does he have left? The rest of this one next year? Maybe? And if Streveler is still in Winnipeg, Maybe he's getting his sixth Masters. <laughs> he's a smart kid. Maybe he doesn't want to play football, you know, for the rest of his life. And maybe he doesn't want to get into coaching. And he's he's got other dreams to follow. Maybe he just likes learning. You never know. But it seems like he just loves this game and he just wants to play. It, can Strebler be the quarterback of the future? Did you see that in him? Tweet at 2 and out CFL. Send an email to an outcfl at gmail.com. I won't give you my phone number, though. I know you tried, and I know you hoped, but I'm not giving that phone number on this podcast <laughs> because there might end up being a billboard uh, down the Kiwi 2 between Calgary and Edmonton with it, and I cannot allow that to happen. I think the Bombers do have something here with Chris Strebler, and you know what? In 2020, we could head into the season with him as the starting quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and I think they would be in good shape with him there. So it was donned the long live the night bowl but 33 30 the game took almost six hours to finish but what a way to start the cfl season friday night football was the second game with the riders getting by the argonauts 27 19 the home opener at mosaic stadium yeah i was wrong yeah, I was right about the Edmonton game. I did pick the Argos to win, but this interception sealed the deal for the Riders. Riders bring the blitz. Ray stands, throws, it's intercepted! 
It's intercepted and bringing it back. Nick Virgil, 25-20. The rookie taking it to the barn. Touchdown, Riders. Ron, we said earlier, if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to blitz this game, they need to know their assignments. Nick Marshall knew exactly what he needed to do there. They both walked down on the boundary, and Marshall takes it to the crib for 66 yards. Welcome to the Canadian Football League, rookie. <laughs> You're not a quarterback anymore, son. There's been a lot of worry heading into this uh, season that the depth in Saskatchewan, not only for Canadian talent, but for the offensive line, is suspect. And the offensive line, yeah, they did give up some pressure for Zach Caleros. But he, I think he had a solid debut for having lost, what, 12 starts in a row, not starting a game since... The middle of last season goes 18 of 25 for 203 yards and one touchdown. But that's the only touchdown they needed. And what stat counts the most? W's. So the Ryder offensive line able to give up some pressures. But you know what? The Eskimos offensive line gave up a lot as well in the um, previous game we were talking about. That Bomber D line with Jackson, Jeff Coat, and Corny coming off the other corner. They look Really good. They really do. Messam had 21 carries for 72 yards. 21 for 72. That is not the best average out there. Trey Mason, five carries, 37 yards, but the first one was a fumble. And I worried he was going to be glued to the bench after that one. He was not. Our leading receiver from the Riders is Caleb Hawley. Two catches for 47 yards. That is wild. Carter had a catch. Stanford. Roosevelt had three for 30. And the big touchdown. Jordan Williams Lambert is on the scene. Spencer Moore had a catch. Messam had two. Mason had one. Bailey had one. So there are a lot of options in Saskatchewan. But for the Riders, what really matters is that defense. Us fans, I don't know if we know, there are three absolutely incredible defensive ends playing right now and they rank among the all-time best charleston hughes reaches the 100 sack mark he is actually um only the 11th player to have 100 sacks in a cfl career but we have john bowman here still playing for the alouettes still looking good and we have odell willis in bc who is 33 years old. His birthday isn't until December. He's 13 sacks away from 100. If he does it this year, he would be the youngest person in CFL history to reach 100 sacks. I think we kind of take Odell Willis for granted a little bit. He was quoted as saying, uh, and they said this on TSN, that defensive ends can get better with age. Maybe they get smarter, they understand the game a little bit better. And <laughs> it's almost like that's exactly what we're seeing from Charleston Hughes, John Bowman, and Odell Willis. But newcomer Nick Marshall was the one. Rod Peterson with the call of that interse interception at the end of the game. They were able to get to Ricky Ray in this one. Ricky Ray didn't have all that much time. And when Ray doesn't have that much time, the, the Argos aren't going to succeed. He wasn't able to throw a passing touchdown. Actually, James Franklin was, but it was only a two-yard pass. Ray goes 22 for 37 for 233. Ray succeeded against the Riders last year. 
Of course, we know <laughs> what happened in the Eastern Final. But they were able to shut down James Wilder as well. For a game this tight, you'd think that the offensive game plan would be getting Wilder the ball more. But he gets only five carries for 16 yards. So 1,000 yards, you're off the pace, Wilder. James Wilder, four catches for 68 yards. All right, he's still got the pace for uh, 1,000 in the receiving department. The Argos are the Argos. They are champs. But this one was just a dogfight. It was a physical, physical game. And the Riders, they they won that physical battle. That defense for the Riders, they almost seem like they've got a chip on their shoulder. They're playing like they got something to prove. So they come away with that big week one win in Regina, their home opener. Curiously, I guess I should say this one was about 4,000 short of a sellout. And the Ryder fans are easy to sling mud at other teams. And I know uh, a lot would say, why is that stadium only 33000 This is why. Supply and demand. <laughs> and new things cost money. So, of course, ticket prices went up. That drives some people away. Beer prices go up. That drives even more people away. But I think Jones has made some unpopular decisions. They probably won't help in the ticket selling department. But winning does. And I, I think there was some nervousness heading into this season after what happened in the preseason for the Rough Riders. But if they uh, string together some wins here, I think we'll see more excitement back in Riderville. We, we do know that Labor Day sold out, so we can count on at least one sellout in Saskatchewan this season. Let's go to the third game of the weekend. It was a doubleheader on Saturday night. Uh, I had to watch this game twice because the first time I was at a stag and I had trouble discerning what was happening but the tiger cats fall to the stampeders 28 14 the game was real close with less than two minutes left the tie cats trailed the stamps by only six but with the tie cats moving the ball this happened a big run there to scope this comeback the soul is in some trouble getting chased down by Micah johnson and and I think a lot of people thought this game was going to be won by Calgary easily. Uh, the The weather wasn't the best, so we had 23,000 people show up at Calgary's home opener. And I think there are multiple, multiple reasons for that. Stamps fans can't be happy after two Grey Cup losses in a row. Yeah, they go and dominate in the regular season. But when you don't have more rings and you don't have more banners in the stadium... Does all that regular season success really matter? You ask Bo Levi Mitchell, he'll say it doesn't. He wants the rings. He wants his name on Lord Grey's trophy. And why wouldn't he? (laughs) It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And Bo looks like a different guy coming into this season. The focus he he has showed so far, he... I'm pretty sure he had almost more rushing yards in this game than he did all last season. He had one rush for 12 yards. He had 17 yards last season. (laughs) And speaking of the rushing game for the Stampeders, it turns out that Don Jackson got the start for them. But 12 carries, 87 yards. The kid ran hard. Terry Williams had seven carries for 33 yards. So, I mean, he had a good game too, but he's busy. returning kicks and Bo's Bo he doesn't have 50% completion percentage here 
17 of 36, 297, both a touchdown and an interception. But it needs to be mentioned in this game, it was physical, and there were some great defensive plays. Yeah, there was a couple challenges that held things up a little bit, but if you like defensive football, if you like DBs just playing great football, yes, some of them were called. I realize some of them were on Hamilton. There were some great plays made by the DBs and defenders in this one. And Don Jackson, I know he's not a defender, but uh, the Tiger Cats were closing in on him for, before his big touchdown run. Uh, and William Langley ends up making a big block. Just enough on Ted Laurent, because if Laurent gets a hold of Jackson, that touchdown doesn't happen. That kid is fun to watch. But if you like defense and you like DBs making some great plays... This was the game to watch. Both teams were making plays all over the entire field. But we know that this time of the season, defenses are ahead of offenses. And maybe the delays ended up helping uh, more points get scored in the uh, Winnipeg and uh, Edmonton game. And maybe the delays actually helped the quarterback, Chris Strebler, settle down a little bit. It sure seemed like it did help him. Talking about the receiving game in Calgary, We've said it before on this podcast, the the target options there are all over the place. Rodgers had a catch. He didn't play much. It was one for 13 yards. Richardson, Danny, Tavares Daniels only had two catches. That's not good. But next week, he could be the leading receiver. Reginald Bagleton started things off huge for the Stampeders with a big catch. Mark and Michelle had five catches, 67 yards. Kamar Jordan, four for 77 and a touchdown, so he was the Stamps' leading receiver this time around. you got to think Daniels is going to get better. Rodgers is going to get more involved, and maybe this Tiger Cat defense is a lot better than a lot of giving them credit for. And uh, they're going to be really hard to play against in this season. It should be mentioned, Joan Breskison had two catches for 47 yards, and it was one of the craziest catches we're going to see all year long. Last year was the year of the catch. Breskison jumps up, reaches back with one arm, brings that ball in. It was an absolute thing of beauty. As for running backs, we're going to see carries from both Jackson and Williams. And you know what? Uh, I like both of them. Uh, I ended up getting Jackson into my fantasy lineup because he was listed as starter on the depth chart. He was $2,500, so I went with that and swapped out Amarne Edwards for Devaris Daniels. That didn't work out. The two catches, the 20 yards, not what you want in fantasy. So it kind of screwed my team a little bit. It held me back from getting uh, to triple digits, but... Just under 100 points, about 98.8 or something like that. And last year's winner that won the big bucks from TSN CFL Fantasy averaged less than 100 a week. So it can be done. <laughs> you can win cash. You can succeed as long as you are paying attention and keeping track of your roster all season long. As for the Tiger Cats, you have to think the pressure is on Jeremiah Mazzoli. We did play the clip earlier, uh, that interception, and that was costly. He's 25 of 36, 344 yards for that interception. He also fumbled the ball. He was so good at protecting the ball last season. 
He he totally was, but it was only half a season, not the biggest sample size in the world. He's going to need to protect that ball for the Tiger Cats to win and to keep that starting job because you don't want to lose it to Johnny Manziel. As for rushes, yes, Mercer Timmis was not listed as the starter, but he gets six carries for 20 yards. Nikita Whitlock got the start at running back. This guy is an absolute tank. He is a converted defensive lineman. He only had two carries for 16 yards, but the man is an absolute beast when it comes to blocking, and they needed it because that Stampeder defensive line, there's a good chance they are the best in the CFL. Mazzoli did have a rushing touchdown, though, so that is another part of his game. Uh, He's a threat on the ground, in the air, but let's secure that ball a little bit. I don't think anybody expected that Mike Jones would be the leading receiver for the Tiger Cats. Five catches, 120 yards. Saunders, seven for 118. Tasker, six for 71. So all of these names make you happy if they're on your team now that it's PPR. All of those are big ones to have on your team. Brandon Banks, four for 19. It is the Stampeder defense. They were making plays all game long, but that can't continue if the Tiger Cats want to win that East and, uh, frankly, have a home playoff game. We haven't seen Ottawa yet. We will see them this week against Saskatchewan, so that is a tough challenge for that team. But the Tiger Cats open the season 0-1, and they stay in Alberta. They got Edmonton on Friday, and they are in tough for that one as well. The last game of the week had the Alouettes and the Lions, where the Alouettes ended up falling to the Lions 22 to 10. The game got started early and it got started fast. This big play from Shaq Johnson opened the scoring for the Lions. Jennings throwing again. He's got his man. He's got the touchdown. Shaq Johnson scores. That was a foot race and it wasn't even close. Hey, Shaq Johnson doesn't lose a lot of foot races. This kid can flat out fly. So this game started firing on all cylinders. Drew Willie. Went 25 to 35 for 281 yards, a touchdown and an inter- interception. The pick was costly. It came at the, the worst possible time. The Alouettes were kind of still in it. Then the interception happened and Jennings and the Lions, to their credit, were able to take advantage of it. And I will say this game was so physical. Tyrell Sutton, there's a good chance he's not only my favorite running back, but my favorite player in the league. He had 15 carries for 65 yards. That doesn't jump off the page, but when you watch how he got those yards, it would jump off the page for you. He had also five catches for 31 yards. There was a moment in the game. He burst through the line, and Solomon L. Mimian was there waiting for him, the premier middle linebacker in this league. They crashed together like two trucks, and Sutton kept moving. It was it was a thing of beauty. If you like phys- physical football, you like this game. Because there was another moment when David Aki, a draft pick for the Montreal Alouettes, absolutely smashed Jonathan Jennings. He was running. He was going to head out of bounds, but Aki got the hit in before Jennings got out of bounds. And you know what I loved about it? There was no flag. Even more that I loved about it. There's been a lot of real changes that have focused on player safety. We absolutely know that. But this was a clean hit from a good Canadian kid 
no flag on the play. So, yeah, you can still play physical football in this game without hurting people. I can't say the same for the streaker. Dummy ran out of the field. <laughs> and Marcel Young, former Edmonton Eskimo, just smashed him. It was a thing of beauty. The guy was down for the count. The videos were on Twitter. You can see it. My favorite, though, is a photo of him flying through the air. And guy looks like he just got hit by a truck. And he did. Now, I know a lot of people hate the streaker thing. They say it's so 80s and tacky for this guy to get by security in the first place. But really, it's 2018. Should we have to worry about people running on the field anymore? And if they do, how do you trust them? There's so many wackos in this world, man. I, I think maybe this guy was harmless and he was just a drunk thinking uh, he's funny, thinks he's going to get his 15 minutes of fame. But Marcel Young did what he should have done. Just absolutely laid into him. You want to step onto the playing surface? That means that you think you can hang with these players. You want to hang with these players without no equipment? You get what you have coming. I really don't care if the guy has a concussion. <laughs> I don't. He can go whine to anybody he wants. And I'm not saying he is. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't even remember it, either from the hit or the booze. But I'm not going to criticize Marcel. I'm not going to criticize the Lions for this thing. I just love that a photographer captured that moment. It was very similar to Tony Washington doing the same to a guy running on the field uh, a few years back at Commonwealth Stadium. You want to run into the fire, you're going to get burnt. And that's all that needs to be known about these streakers. But you listening to this show, you're not, you're not going to run into the field anyway. You're smarter than that. I, I know you are. Jennings, 20 of 24, 183 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, there's not that many yards there, but he got the W. What Lions fans will like here, he also had nine carries for 57 yards. Yes, if Jennings continues to do that, hey, that's over 200 and right around, what, 240 overall? Yeah, they'll, they'll take that. Jeremiah Johnson only had 10 for 52. And like I said, the Alouettes were in this game right until the very end. They are going to be a scrappy team this year. And I know Mike Sherman, there was an interview, brand new coach, says, I just don't want us to beat ourselves this year. If we're taking penalties and you know we're, we're losing that way, that's not good. If we're playing clean football and the other team just beat us, that is fine. But early in the game, the very first drive, the Alouettes are moving the ball. Tyrell Sutton, they they gave him five carries in a row. It ended up being three first downs in a row. And then the Owls connect deep. Oh, and it was a thing of beauty. But B.J. Cunningham, that first touchdown of the year, it is going to have to wait. It ended up getting called back due to a holding call. Now, the Alouettes were able to answer right back, and they had a deep play to Chris Williams. 56-yard passing play to Chris Williams. And early on, it kind of seemed that this offense is going to be built around Chris Williams and Tyrell Sutton. 
Williams had six catches for 98 yards, and it seemed as the game went on, the Lions were able to adjust for Williams. There was a lot of criticism on Williams, and maybe the Lions as well, for what happened with him last season in BC. You got Manny Arsenal, Brian Burnham, and Chris Williams. That is a good receiving core. It's part of the reason why I picked the Lions to finish first in the West last year because I thought Jonathan Jennings was going to have an even better season. But it, it just wasn't to be, and you've already seen it with this team. That defensive line, Odell Willis, was talked about. Already looks like a leader on this team and has some big moments, has a sack in this game. He still brings his somersault from uh, Edmonton to BC Place, but he says he's not the mayor of BC Place. He says he's been impeached. In the States, you're only allowed two terms, so he's not the mayor. He is uh, living civilian life right now, but still bringing the somersault from Edmonton. But the trenches, the Lions look great, both offensively and defensively. Jovan Olafioye was let go by Montreal. There were some salary concerns there, but he was also banged up as well. There are talks that, man, he's got some back issues. They're going to have to uh, play maintenance a little bit with him throughout the season. He did take uh, it was one penalty at least, but overall he looked okay. And when you're going against Jamal Westerman just about every play, you have had yourself, I would say, a pretty good game. So the Chris Williams play happens right down to the goal line, fumbles it, and it ends up getting uh, recovered in the end zone for the Alouettes. And that was the first drive of the game, 7 nothing. It almost looked like this Alouette team is going to be a lot better than everyone thinks they're going to be. They scored 10 points in the first quarter. What did they score in the second, third, and fourth? Goose eggs. <laughs> I don't know if they just caught the Lions off guard or what, but this game got off to a fast start, and then it kind of sent, settled in a little bit. Yeah, it was physical, but there were some penalties there uh, dragging the game along, and then the Lions were just able to close things out in the fourth quarter, but that is a good win on home field to start this season. Wally Buono's final season as a head coach in the Canadian Football League. So well done to the Lions. Shaq Johnson, the big reception. It was 35 yards. He had another catch uh, for 11. Manny Arsenault had four for 41. Burnham, six for 38. Corey Watson, Chris Rainey, Ricky Collins all had catches, as well as Jeremiah Johnson. As for the Alouettes, yes, Williams had a nice game. Um, Ernest Jackson had a 54-yard 50 yard reception. B.J. Cunningham, 4 for 41. Eugene Lewis, 2 for 23. And the ageless wonder, Stefan Logan. It, not enough gets said about the punters in this league, but Ty Long had an absolutely incredible game punting the ball. He had eight of them, a 54-yard average. And... The hang time on these things were incredible. Stefan Logan is 37 years old, and he is still able to move the ball. He had a rushing play in this game, looked like he got to the edge and had about 12 yards on it. The guy can still move, but when Ty Long is putting uh, punts that far into the air, almost smashing into the scoreboard... Yeah, your coverage team is going to get under it. So he started last year a bit rough on the field goals, 
but he has turned that around and his punting is making a world of difference for the BC Lions. Now, we sit here uh, after <laughs> week one. I don't know how your pick did. I went three and one. I'm okay with that. I picked the Argos to beat the Riders three and one after week one. I'm 100% okay with. As, as for my fantasy team on TSN, 98.8 points. I will take that as a start. Week two gets underway on Thursday. The Red Blacks and the Riders. We will release another episode early, early Thursday morning talking about the news that happens between now and then. I hope you enjoyed week one and I hope you were cool with me doing the show solo. Questions, comments, two and out CFL at gmail.com. Have yourself a good week and make sure you give us a rating and a subscription on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.